Welcome to the New Books Network. And we are... Hello! To Lee good Wardlaw. Morning. Hi. And good afternoon to you as well. Thank you. <laughs> it's wonderful to be talking to you from Tel Aviv all the way to California. Oh, wow. That's exciting. Yeah. Thank you for waking up early. Oh, no problem. I'm always I, up early. And I'm incredibly honored to have you on the show. And before I forget, my name is Mel Rosenberg, and I am the host of the Children's Literature Channel of the New Books Network. And I am here with multi-multi-award-winning international writer, author, um, um, advocate, uh, Lee Wardlaw, who has sold so many books, over a million copies yep. of her over 30 books. Yes. And uh, we want to talk about your journey we want to talk about your thoughts about the children's book industry because it is an industry. And maybe we'll get some ideas going forward. Sounds good. So in, or, in order to go forward, let's go backwards. Okay. So start at the very beginning, a very good oh, place to start. I was born. No, I'm not going to go back that far. Um, you could. Uh, I could. I could. But, but actually, I've been writing since I was seven years old. Um, it was something that I knew very early you know i wrote my first story when i was seven and i immediately started writing poetry um i'm a cat person um, my mom and my dad swear that my first word was kitty and so the first poem i ever wrote was about a cat um actually it was um it was called um oh gosh mouse revere um and it was all about mouse revere who um <laughs> came through the was running through the streets on his horse calling the British are coming the British are coming so um the ballad of mouse revere so anyway um cat person and um just knew wrote my first two novels when I was in sixth grade I was 11 they did not get published um but you know I've been doing it ever since and so I knew going forward that yes I was going to be a writer I studied to be an elementary school teacher which made a lot of sense I did that for five years to make some money and um, also to stay close to my audience and learn about them and then took a year off to write my first young adult novel and um, I sold that in 1984 1985 and it was actually based on my family's experiences we um, I live in California we have a lot of fires here and there was a firestorm in Santa Barbara one night that burned down 200 homes. And my family home was one of those that burned down. Wow. And um, it was it was really devastating. Uh, we lost everything. Even one of my cats was killed in that fire. How old and were you? I, I was in college. Um, I was a senior year, in, uh, senior year in college, but my youngest brother was 14. And so I was able to... Um, you know, I was observing him and noticing the changes in him after we lost our home and decided, okay, this is the first thing I'm going to do. I had written some picture books um, and sent those out, got rejections. I made all the mistakes, all the mistakes that you can make in the beginning when you first start writing. But um, I decided, okay, maybe I'll switch to young adult. No young adult novels were very, very popular in the mid 80s. And there were a lot of things called the ABC after school specials, which were on television. And they were, you know, very intense one hour or two hour um, stories for young adults. And so um, 
I thought maybe that was the better way to break in rather than picture books. Picture books are the hardest types of book to write. Not that YA is easy, but now um, now you tell me where were you when yeah, you started? Fifty right. years ago. Come on. Well, same with me. You know, I thought, well, I'm a teacher and I had taught elementary school and preschool and, you know, I should know. I read these books all the time. But no, I was not great at it in the beginning. So um, I wrote this young adult novel called Corey's Fire, which is about a 14 year old girl whose home and neighborhood are destroyed. And so I worked through a lot of my own um, emotions that I had gone through and what my family had gone through by turning it into a novel. And it was the first book that I sold in 1985. And um, I never went back to teaching, although um, I do love students and love to speak at schools all across the country. And um, so that's how I've continued that, but um, have been writing ever since. And I've seen a lot of changes in the publishing world. You know, young adult novels were very popular, as I said, and I sold three YA novels. And then all of a sudden, nobody wanted young adult novels anymore. The baby boom took over. And suddenly, here were, it was the second baby boom. You know, the first one was after World War II. And um, suddenly, everybody wanted picture books. So it's like, okay, um, you know, maybe I need to start studying picture books again and, and writing those again. So, um, boy, it was a lot easier to sell in the 80s and early 90s. I mean, things just, they were just desperate for children's books because there were so many kids. Um, so, you know, and then there was another dip where suddenly they wanted middle grade novels because those younger kids grew up and um, eight to 12 year olds. So I started writing those novels. So, um, and in between, I also wrote easy readers and board books and um, three nonfiction books, which were really fun. I, I really like to challenge myself and, and um, I don't want to keep writing the same thing over and over again. I really want to kind of experiment and, and um, try new things. So, okay. So we're, we're going to talk about your haiku books in a minute. Okay. But, but um, usually the writers that I interview have a specific genre that they aim to. Right. And then I try and force them to admit that if they write for six-year-olds, they're a six-year-old at heart. But you've written, you know, from the age of two to the age of sixteen or whatever. Right. Um, so how how do you how do you do that? How do you negotiate the Lee, the <laughs> toddler, to adolescent? That's a really good question, and and in some ways, I'm not sure I know. I mean, I think my voice is best for eight to 12 year olds or maybe 10 to 14. Um, I have almost total recall of uh, junior high, middle school years, fifth and sixth grade. It was a really hard time for me. My parents got divorced. Um, that was just devastating. And my best friend moved away. And, you know, middle school is really one of the hardest times. So I can really go back in my mind and become this 12 year old Lee. And so I think my voice for my middle grade novels, that's really where I shine. Um, and I, I've written novels called 101 Ways to Bug Your Parents. It's not an instruction book. It's not nonfiction. It actually is a novel. Um, seventh grade weirdo, you know, so a lot of the things that I was working through when I was in middle school, feeling weird, feeling out of place, um, not feeling accepted, not feeling like I belonged anywhere. Universal feelings, universal themes that all kids go through. Um, and I think maybe that's the key for writing to all ages 
is that you need to think about what is the the universal theme here for this age group what are the universal feelings that that children have and that's the way you can get into that mindset but but, but um, do you have do you have to write to your own angst you know everybody's talking about own voices you know um you shouldn't be writing about uh, Hanukkah if you're not Jewish. Um, oh, there's a ton of Hanukkah books, though. Um, and um, can you write to someone else's angst? I think so, but you need to do your research. Um, the thing is, you know, I most I mostly write fiction, and so I I think I can create a character to be whatever I want him or her to be. Um, but do my research, do my research about uh, the culture and the language and, you know, things that they've gone through. And and um, I've done that. I Several of my books have been um, talked about because they have multicultural characters. Um, but, you know, I write from the viewpoint of a boy best, and I'm not a boy. It's just that I had two brothers and I have a son and um, I just relate really well to boys. So, you know, if someone to tell me, well, you're not a boy, you can't write from the viewpoint of a boy. It's what? Of course I can. Um, I write from the viewpoint of cats. I'm not a cat. Um, so yeah, I think it's absolutely fine to do that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, do your research. Definitely do your research. Okay, and how did you break in? You, in the 80s, you sold YA, Young Adult. Did, mm -hmm. did you have an agent? Was the SCBWI pivotal in this? Tell us a little bit about how that happened. Okay, good question. Um, well, originally, when I was doing picture books, I was just submitting them myself, sending them out, getting lots of rejections. Um, and then um, what was really pivotal for me was the Santa Barbara Writers Conference. And this was a conference that had started in 1970. Um, really fabulous. It was one of the first conferences that was a week long, um, that there were lectures in the afternoon and in the evenings, but the mornings had workshops and you would join you know, a nonfiction workshop or um, an adult fiction or mystery. And they had a woman, Joan Oppenheimer, who was in charge of the children's literature workshop. And that was just phenomenal because not only did I learn a lot, but I was able to go in with manuscripts and have her critique and other members of, of the workshop critique as well. And the um, woman actually took a real shine to me. She really wanted to, she saw something in me and said, you know, I, your picture books are really fun, but your voice is young adult and I'd really like to help you. And so she became my mentor and she critiqued several times my first novel that I wrote, Corey's Fire, um, and suggested that I start sending it out. And I sent it out for three years and I'll never forget the day. This is back in the days of letters, you know, no email back then, but I got a letter in the mail and I thought it was another rejection. And I opened it up and it said, we'd like to publish your book. And I literally screamed and dropped the letter like it was on fire. And my husband came running in, you know, what, what? And it's like, I sold the book. I was just so excited. And so once I had that sale, um, I contacted my mentor and said, you know, do you know any agents? I need some help negotiating this. And she did. She introduced me to her agent um, who agreed to negotiate the contract for a fee. How wonderful of her. 
I know it was really amazing. And then, it, it, um, you know what? I was going to interject. This industry sure. is full of wonderful people. I've, I've been I've been so many things in my life, and I've never encountered a community of people who are so willing to reach out and help one another. It's it's incredible. It really is. And that was something that I noticed immediately, how kind everybody was. And, um, you know, at the Santa Barbara Writers Conference, and then after I sold my first book, I started attending the SCBWI conferences, and everyone was just so helpful and so kind about introducing you to people or giving you advice or or whatever. And so maybe because the odds are so against us, you know, it one, might person, be. one person's success is not another person's failure. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I yeah, and there's plenty of room for everybody to to come in and there's plenty of room for everybody to get rejected hundreds of times. Yes, (laughs) I know. I I really get rejected with us. I've saved all my rejection letters. Someday I should see how many would go all around this room. Masochists Um, of the world. Boy, yeah, we have a profession for you. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I know. My husband sometimes said, my husband was a winemaker. We owned a winery for several years. And wow. and it's tough, you know, when you have a new wine come out, they get reviewed by the wine magazines and you can live or die by those. But he said the children's book field is, is even worse. You know, if you don't get reviewed, that's really bad because then nobody knows your book is out there. So, um, but anyway, my, my mentor introduced me to the agent. She was my agent for three years. Um, she did sell several of my books, but she really only wanted to work with young adults, young adult novels. And I wanted to, you know, try some other things. So uh, I ended up leaving her and um, another friend introduced me to a young agent who just had started out maybe the year before. Her name is Ginger Knowlton. She's now the vice ah. president at Curtis Brown Limited, um, but I was one of her first clients, and wow. um, she's been my agent <laughs> since 1989, 88, something like that. that. That's, that's incredible. Yeah, yeah. So just adore her. She's been really wonderful, patient during the years, the lean years where nothing sells, and she just keeps hanging in with me. So it's great. So that's how I got started. That's, so it that, is possible yeah. to get plucked from the slush pile because I was. Um, you it, literally it were plucked from the but you you sent a manuscript to a um, to a publishing house. Yes, yes, and they had it a year. And what was funny was that I wrote to them and said, mm-hmm. "Hey, it's been a year. What's happening?" And they said, um, "Oh, we're rejecting your manuscript." And then a couple of weeks later, I get an acceptance and evidently they couldn't find the manuscript. So they just said, oh, well, we've rejected it. And the reason why they couldn't find it That's incredible. I know. The reason why they couldn't find it was because the editor in chief had it on her desk and had decided to offer me a contract. So (laughs) I I have a lot of. We're we're finding you guilty because we've lost the papers that argue your innocence. That, that's wonderful. So, Lee, Lee, I don't want everybody to get very excited. Um, you know, I've had many people on the show. The statistics are that one in a thousand or one in 5,000 uh, manuscripts does get picked up by an agent or by a, the odds are very much against against us. Um, so we're going to talk about your thoughts going forward, advice to, to young uh, authors like me. 
but in the meantime, uh, you published over 30 books. Mm-hmm. What is what is hardest to write? Young adult, middle grade, picture book, or board book? I can ask you because you've done all of them. Oh, I've got a good story about this. Um, well, I, picture books are, I think, the hardest, but board books even harder because you only have seven double page spreads and after my son was born when he was about a year old i'd been watching him learn how to take his first steps and thought this would make a great picture book so i wrote a a 500 word picture book about a baby learning how to walk for the first time and um harper collins bought it they absolutely love it and they said but we think this would be better for babies and toddlers to read since it's about them learning how to walk. So we'd like you to take your 500 word picture book and cut 450 words out of it. (laughs) And in my mind, I'm screaming, what? (laughs) But you don't say no to an editor. And I said, oh yes, I can cut 450 words out of it. Um, I agonized for a while. Is this true? Yeah. I had to cut my picture book from 550 to 350. And yes. it was like it was like a pound of flesh. It's and, it was, you, it went, was you went from 500 to 50 words. Yeah. Yeah. My so, goodness. Um, and what happened? It was yeah, I I did it. Um, you know, because what I needed to do was kind of refocus on what was the most important parts of the story. And <clears throat> After I did, I actually cut out 451 words and I love it. It is so much better before, you know, I mean, it was a nice rhyme before, but it was 500 words and it was too long. It would have been much too long for babies and toddlers. What's it called? It's called First Steps. Let me grab it. I should have it. It's like, it's like um, the title is is already 5% of the text. Exactly. Wow. First Steps, it was illustrated by Julie Pashkis, who's done some wonderful things. And um, it won some awards, was on some honors. Can you you show us a bit? Sure. Creep, crawl, pull up tall, giggle, wiggle, waggle, fall. The thing that's really fun about this book, and you know, a lot of people say um, they they get upset when they find out that the editors choose the illustrator for you, and it's like no, 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 because in a picture book, it's not just the writers; it's both the illustrator and the writer. And the illustrator is not supposed to just copy what the words say and draw that. They they need to bring in their own creativity and their own vision of what the story is and and deepen the story, make it a better story. And what Julie did in this, nowhere do I have a cat when I was writing it, but what she did, this a little bit here, what she did was, first of all, she puts a cat in the story eventually so that you see the boy, he's actually, or the, the toddler, he's going after the cat. He's chasing it. You think he's heading for the teddy bear and for mom, but he's actually kind of chasing the cat in the beginning. <laughs> um, so there's there's one layer. But then the other thing that Julie does is up here is a window and there's a nest with a mama bird in it and a baby bird in it. And as the baby learns how to walk, you see the little head of 
the birds and the mother bird <clears throat> teaches the baby bird how to fly. And on the last page, um, when the baby is heading for the mother's arms, where uh, books are hard to open, the baby bird is taking his first flight. Absolutely brilliant. As I get chills when I talk about that because it just, you know, it, it made the book so that you could enjoy it as you're getting older and older. There were layers, you know, at first the, the child is just gonna concentrate on the kid or the cat, but as they read it again and again, it's like, what's in this window? There's a baby bird. The mama bird is teaching the baby bird how to fly, that sort of thing. So it makes it interesting for the adult as well as for the child. So, so here's the thing. So this is maybe a message uh, that I learned the hard way over decades. Um, when you're writing, you know, you think that the more you write, the more, you know, accolades you're going to get, the more appreciated. You say, you know, I'm the author of this picture book. Mm -hmm. but, but actually, you have to throw the ball up in the air for the illustrator. And yes. you have to renege on at least half of the credit. Mm-hmm. In order to get the full credit, you have to renege on half of the credit. Exactly. Yeah. And and that's fine. I mean, in the beginning, I was a little bit worried, but, you know, I think visually, but I think visually as a writer, which is different from thinking visually as an illustrator. And, I, and I'm not sure I can explain why, but, you know, I would have a vision of what my book would be, but but not really. And so to have someone else bring it to life, it's just magic to but, see. But, your but, yeah, but you have to let go. You have to let go. And, so, so, and, and you know, the other book that, because you have this, it, it's really ridiculous to say I have a way with words, but but um, the other book that the, this reminds me of that you've written is Red, White, and Boom. Yes. And you have this, like, it, it's such a playfulness. It's not only rhyme. It's not only meter. It's also having fun with words, like, chewing them i don't know how a better word you know like you're absolutely you're chewing the bubble gum while you're reading your your prose it's wonderful it's prose well and poetry. how i do that is what i read my work aloud all the time and i tell people that all the time you know you can't just read it silently in your head especially picture books because picture books are poetry even if it's not in rhyme they're so lyrical and each word packs a punch each word is so important because there are so few of them so you have to have the strongest the most vivid the most um image inducing words that you possibly can um so it is and poetry is meant to be read aloud and so i read all even middle grade novels i mean i will read an entire chapter locked in my office read it aloud and listen to the words and um see if i stumble anywhere and if I do, then I know I need to go back through and um, smooth that line out. So it's it's really a, an audio type of thing as well as just reading. So um, I want to now fast forward because you've okay. talked about the industry and the difficulties and the challenges. Um, and um, you've even talked about starting a small publishing house of your own or am I kind reminding of, you am I reminding you of something that you've forgotten um <laughs> I've talked about that um I've been looking at the facts and figures and <clears throat> not sure that that will happen but I have I am starting an award 
an award for a book. Tell us about um, that. Okay, well, um, I am a cat person, have been for a long time, and um, not too crazy. I don't have 14 of them, but we do have two, uh, Bumblebee and Coconut. They were our um, COVID cats because our beloved cat we'd had for almost 20 years passed away during COVID. So we got two new kittens to make us feel better. But anyway, I've been a member of the Cat Writers Association for uh, 27 or 28 years. And they have a contest every year where, where um, they award um, you know, a beautiful medallion to all the, the best books and articles and blogs and that sort of thing written about cats. And they have a category for children's literature. All right, which they love. have a, a category. Yes. <laughs> sorry, sorry. I, yeah, bad, haven't heard bad, of that one before. Bad milk, right. yeah. Yeah, anyway, um, they have an entry fee. And so typically the only people who enter are members of the Cat Writers Association. And in the beginning, the entry fee was only $8, but it's now up to 30. So I think there are a lot of um, traditionally published authors who don't wanna have to fork out $30. Um, you know, it's, it's expensive. We don't make that much money. And so we get very few entries in the children's category. So um, I finally decided, well, I'm going to start my own award. Um, I have um, co-sponsored it with Pause to Read Month. There is a, a holiday called Pause to Read Month. And, um, One second. Pause to read? Pause e -A -W -S, to read? Pause to read. Yeah, pause to read, but also P-A-U-S-E. And um, the point of that is... Um, it, it, you know, a lot of children have a hard time reading aloud. And so to practice their reading, they read to dogs or they read to cats, therapy dogs, or they go to shelters and, and read to cats. And dogs and cats are non-judgmental. They, they aren't saying, hey, you missed a word there or, you know, read that over again and you've mispronounced that. So it's a wonderful way for children to become better readers. So anyway, I've, I've, um, I'm co-sponsoring with them an award called the Perfect, P-U-R-R, -R, Perfect Page Turner Award. And it's for the most outstanding children's book that is um, cat themed. The main character doesn't have to be a cat, but cats have to be integral to the story. And um, 2023 will be the first award. It'll be awarded in November. And um, so books that were published in 2022 are eligible. There will be a $1,000 um, cash prize split between the author and the illustrator. If there's no illustrator, then $1,000 goes to the author completely. And um, you'll also get a plaque and some award seals for the front of your book. And I'm really excited that I'm doing this um, because there are some fabulous books children's books that are published every year and novels too for children um, that are cat themed. So there you go. The word is out. <laughs> wow. And this is for uh, books that are traditionally published, uh, independently published. What? Yes. Either one. Self-published, traditionally published, as long as it's cat centric. So, so can you put a link here after the show and uh, we'll share it? Yes. Yes, I will. And actually, if you go to Facebook, um, I'm just setting up a website right now. But if you go to Facebook and go to the perfect page turner award page, you'll find it. That's wonderful. Thank you. So there, there's so few people who do wonderful things like that. Um, and um, I don't have a cat book coming out, but I'm certainly going to 
take pause. Um, well, I may do a dog award eventually. So oh. maybe in 2024. So we'll, we'll see. Because with yeah. pause to read, you, you, you read to both dogs and cats, but I decided to start with cats. So, um, and, and you've, you've been a little critical of the um, current state of affairs in children's publishing. Mm -hmm. But the truth is, it's, it's hard to make a living in this, in this oh, business, it is. if you call it a business. It is, yeah. Why is Half that? my income uh, along the way has always been school visits, speaking engagements, you know, speaking at conferences and- Even though you've sold over a million copies. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Um, you know, I'm still considered a mid-list author. I, I haven't had, you know, that one breakout book. M my um, Probably the book that's won the most awards um, is my first haiku book, Wonton, A Cattail Told in Haiku. And um, everybody reviewed this. It's funny because it was my 28th, 27th or 28th published book. But people kept saying, oh, my goodness, you're an overnight success. It's your first Lee, book. You're, you're the ideal interviewee. <laughs> Why? You, you segue into the questions I haven't asked yet. Oh, <laughs> it's because I talk too much. I just keep no. going. <laughs> listen, it's your program. I talk too much, too, so I listen. Oh, okay. And tell us about this marvelous book. Because well, it's, um, it's, it's, it's definitely not a run-of-the-cat book. It is not, definitely not. Um, and how I got the idea for it was I took a poetry class because I wanted to become a better picture book writer. And I've always written poetry, but never really thought of myself as a poet. So I, I took a poetry class um, taught by um, a really fun children's book author who did several picture books, Ellen Kelly, and she also does marvelous poetry. And we had an assignment to write some haiku. And I've been writing haiku since third grade because it's taught in third grade a lot because of learning syllables um, and I had written quite a few and I thought hmm I, I had decided that I was going to write a picture book about my son and a cat that we had adopted and you know what their relationship was like because we had gone to a shelter and adopted the cat and the cat was very scared the first few days hid under the bed took him a while to coax him out but eventually they became very good friends and um thought well there's already you know i did my research there's already a lot of books out there about a boy or a girl who wants a pet so i really shouldn't write it from the boy's point of view and i thought well maybe i should write it from the cat's point of view and um thought about rhyme but thought no that's going to be too cutesy and so I, what i really needed to do was create a character so that i would know what the voice was going to be like. So I decided that the cat was going to be older, um, not a kitten anymore, a little bit older. He spent most of his life in a shelter. He's maybe two and um, he's got some catitude. And then I thought, okay, I, he has to write in haiku because cats and haiku have so much in common. Um, they say very little or they say a lot in, in you know, just a few words. They're both elegant, they're beautiful, um, they're about nature. And so um, I wrote the entire book in haiku and got 10 rejections. I thought, this is my 27th book. You know, I'm submitting to editors, my agent's submitting to editors who've published my work before. And everybody said, no, the haiku, we don't like the haiku. It, it creates this, 
um, distance between the reader and the main character, which I didn't agree with. And my agent at one point said, do you want to rewrite this book and rewrite it in prose? And I said, no, absolutely not. Keep going. And the 11th publisher she sent it to, um, the editor got the manuscript on a Friday and bought it on Monday. It's the fastest I've ever sold a book. Um, wow. But when it came out, I, I got three starred reviews, one from Kirkus, which is almost unheard of. Kirkus had not been too kind to me in the past. They they don't like my funny books. They don't think I'm funny. Um, I you think know, you're funny. Whereas, can, can, you read, very... can, can you read a few of the high quotes? Oh, sure. Of course. Gorgeous, of course. Gor gorgeous book. Yes, thank you. Well, illustrated by the fabulously talented Eugene Yelchin, who um, has actually not only illustrated a lot of books, but very famous now. Uh, Breaking Stalin's Nose is a fabulous um, middle grade novel in which it was a Newbery Honor book. So this is Wonton, and I'll read just a few. So it starts in the shelter. Nice place they got here bed, bowl, blankie, just like home, or so I've been told. Gypsy on my left, pumpkin my right, together we are all alone. Visiting hours, God, I pretend not to care, yet I sneak a peek. Um, let's see, maybe I'll just skip ahead. One thing you need to know is that this book is actually um, in Senryu, which is a type of haiku um, where it's usually written from the viewpoint of um, a character. And um, it's usually humorous, maybe a little bit snarky. Ah, he finally gets visiting hours. I dub her Pinchy. He's ow, tail yanker. You boy, rub my chin just right. No rush, I've got plans. Gnaw this paw, nip that flea, and wish, please boy, pick me. Latch, squeaks, door swings wide, free, free at last. Yet one claw snags, clings to what's known. And the last one I'll read. The car ride. Let me out. Let me out. Let me out. Let me out. Wait, let me back in. That refrain is carried through the book, and kids love it. They love the repetition. They love getting to read along with let me out or let me in. Um, and I spend half my life, or used to, letting my cats in and out. Um, now they're indoor cats only. We have too many mountain lions and coyotes in our neighborhood here in israel we have feral cats i i, I well, i'm talking to you and i see my backyard cat oh yeah um so um he'll come a little bit later so um this you know i i had other questions but this is like really bothering me. why did people reject this book and i have like a premise sometimes you know you write a text and the editor, even with his or her experience, doesn't imagine in their mind what the book is going to look like. Yes. 
And with the haiku, it's 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 more. Um, I feel it, it, it it's exaggerated. So mm. I want to ask you a silly question. You know, when, when we submit, we just have the text. You know, like mashed potatoes. Mm -hmm. When you submitted this, did you submit it in some fancy way, or was it just like the way we submit? Because the I think that this, and, and then you need the eleventh editor. To yes. see beyond the, the, the mashed potatoes setting, the typeset. Right. And say, yeah, wow. Yeah. I wrote it, you know, I centered all the poems and I did divide them into sections, the shelter, visiting hours. So it was kind of like little chapters, but it's just, you, you, you know, need to see, you need to see on the a book. Page. Right. You need to see and the I, book. And, and I didn't even know what it was going to look like. And, and so I think that's important. It, it, this is a good point that you brought up because you may get depressed at those rejections, but it's good that you were rejected by those editors because if they can't, if they have no vision for what the book is going to look like, and if they're not absolutely enamored with the story, then they're not going to be the person you need to be. And my editor, Sally Doherty at um, Henry Holt Books for Young Readers, she she knew, she just immediately knew. She didn't have an illustrator in mind yet, but but she thought, yeah, this is, no, it, this is gonna it, go somewhere. Um, it, but I think it was rejected too, because no one had ever done a book before with where the story was told in haiku and publishers are there to it, make money. They need money so that they can buy more books. And so they're, they wanna stick with something that's worked before. Yeah, but they want something new that's been done already. Right, exactly. So they, they, they write, surprise me, but they don't really mean it. Right. Oh yeah, I you know I've asked my editors, what are you looking for? Oh, just I'll know when I see it. Write me something yeah, new. Right. And, so, yeah. So, and this book is so beautiful. First of all, the cat is an empathy magnet from the first page. Yes. And it works on so many le levels because on the one hand, it's how do you say that anthropomorphic? Yeah, but, that's it. But then it isn't. In other words, you've got you've got it such that like I feel for the cat as if he were. A a um, a child in a foster home or, or in a um, right. adoption, but hey, this is a cat, and and that uh, that's remarkable. So hats off on so many levels for this, and also the thank you the, the poetry. Wow. So well, getting into his head was was really important, and one of the things that I did, I ended up with probably sixty poems when I finished the first wow. drafts and and narrowed it down to about thirty, um, and I took out anything that sounded authory or human really um i wanted him to stay as real as as possible i mean at one point he barfs up a fur ball, ball into a shoe i mean that's what cats do um and they're not they may look really cute but they're not cutesy they're you know very elegant wonderful poetic creatures cats are i think um so you know maintaining or, or being true to who your character is is it is what makes it work and i had i mean the wall street journal reviewed this book and gave it you know a wonderful review and um the washington post it was one of their best books of the year and um i think it's because even if you're not a cat person i've had cat uh, dog people comment to me i n i hate cats but i love this story i love this cat um so there you go it's brilliant Thank so you. so so lee um, advice to to young uh, and or old and aspiring authors. We've had this discussion. 
the, the, the market is difficult. Everybody feels hard done by. Uh, minorities say, finally, we want to have uh, books that reflect our uh, background and our culture. And that's wonderful. And uh, then um, uh, people like me say, uh, what about um, books from Jews? And what about the guys? You know, I think that I don't think there's anti-Semitism in this um, in this business, um, but there sure is anti-maleism. Yeah. Um, Which is funny, though, to interrupt just briefly. It's funny because the schools love to hire male children's book authors and illustrators to come in because it's mostly it's dominated by women. And when they get a guy to come in, it's like, this is fabulous. What a great role model for for everybody in the audience to see. see I I was told I was told seven years ago, use a woman's name. You'll never break in, not because you're Jewish, oh, not because not because you're old, oh. but because you're a guy. This is a woman's industry, and actually, I submitted a couple of manuscripts oh my gosh. <laughs> with a woman's name, but it it didn't work because I had to change my email, I had to change my bio. That that was crazy. Um, but I just tell you a funny story in this regard. Um, so I just got a review for for my my new book. And um, it was such a nice review. People thought we were related. So I phoned up this guy. And I said, thank you very much uh, for reviewing uh, my book so nicely. And he said, what, you're a guy? He said, I was sure you were a woman. (laughs) I didn't say anything. (laughs) I felt really good. I said, okay, I I must have been using my feminine side to write this. That's right. Um, right. So, but but going back, everybody feels hard done by. It's so hard to break in. It's a hard business, no matter who you are, and it may be harder for some people at one period of time, and, and harder for others at another period of time. How, how, how do you how do you how do you keep going? How do you increase your chances from one in a thousand to one in a hundred? It never gets better than one in a hundred. How do you? Yeah, I've been through this so many times. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it, if you don't know, nobody knows, Lee. Because, it goes you know, like this. Well, you know, I think. <sighs> You can't rest on your laurels. And if you're just starting out, there are no laurels, but you you keep writing. You just write and you you have to think, you, you can't think about your audience. You can't think about editors. You can't think about, I, I mean, I write to entertain myself. And sometimes I don't know who my readers are going to be. I mean, I may have a general idea of, okay, I'm gonna write this for you know fifth grade through eighth grade, but mainly I'm telling my story but in a way that that works and you you know i keep taking classes i'm always taking classes on how to become a better writer and and reading books i have so many writing books that you know i go back to over and over again and i talk to other writers and i go to conferences and i love it when i you know when i'm finished with my workshop or my presentation i can go hear other authors i mean you you have to be constantly learning and constantly writing to keep up. And there have been a few times where I've thought about, okay, maybe I'm done. Maybe my career is over and I should just stop. But but I keep writing. And so it's like, well, okay, I wrote this. Maybe I'll have my agent send it out, you know. Um, so I'm just going to keep going. And you, you really have to have a lot of stamina and perseverance in, in this industry to keep up. If you're going to cry after a few rejections and give up, then yeah, you're never going to get published that way. 
your your manuscripts that are sitting in the drawer are never going to sell. Someday somebody will interview me. So just for the record, I was rejected hundreds of times, hundreds of times. Wow. And I just had a picture book come out in Israel. Congratulations. Well, thank you. Um, So the miracles happen, but they are miracles. Mm -hmm. And um, they happen sometimes when you least expect it from the places you least expect them to happen from. Um, is, is there anything else that I, I've forgotten because we're towards the end of the this wonderful interview that I've waited for for two years? Oh, to, I know. I to, feel so bad with California storms and mothers going into the hospital. Um, well, one thing I want to talk about is just briefly is that I'm trying something very different right now. I'm writing a type of book I've never done before. It's a book of poetry, a collection of poems set during the American Civil War. And there will be poems from soldiers, um, Confederates, uh, Yankees, and poems written by uh, members of the U.S. colored troops, which is what they were called at the time. Um, inanimate objects are going to be speaking. Um, but I'm, I'm writing voices that haven't been heard before from the Civil War. And I've, I've always been fascinated by the Civil War because it was a brother against brother, a sister against sister, and it really united the United States after we finally abolished slavery and fighting to end it was so important. Um, so it's 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 taken me a while to do it because poetry is hard for me, but I'm putting this together and I love it. And I, I don't know if it will ever get published, but I really hope it does. Um, so I'm about halfway finished with it, so I'm going to keep going. But it's it's what's it's what kept me going during COVID was you know researching that. I tend to fall down a lot of rabbit holes um, because I love researching and I love history. But um, hopefully you can look forward to seeing that book someday. We'll see. And then we shall have another interview. That would be fabulous. I, I think I'll book you now for two years from now. Okay. <laughs> we'll make sure that there's no fires. Everybody's in good health. Right, exactly. Yeah, I hope so. so. This has been marvelous. So um, before I forget, I'm Mel Rosenberg, and I am the, oh, I keep forgetting what I am. I'm the host (laughs) of the Children's Literature Channel. I should write this down. Of the New Books Network. And I've been talking to the wonderful, really, Lee, thank you so much, Lee Wardlaw, who woke up early on the West Coast of America, multi-award winning, author of over 30 books, million copies sold, And thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your career. It was wonderful. Well, thank you for inviting me. I really enjoyed it very much. The the pleasure, as they say, was all mine. And now I have an idea for a story about a cat. I want to win that prize. Okay. I I look forward to your entry. need to find an agent and a a publisher, though. There you go. Hey, easy. Maybe the 2028 submission. Lee, it's been great. Take care, dear. Thank you very much. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye.